0: glad you know the Lord today. Amen. Amen. I praise the Lord for who he is. Truly is great. He's worthy of our praise. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. so good to see you all here this morning. Anybody have to use a GPS to get to church this morning? I don't see any hands raised yet. You know, it's easy around here, driving around. I don't use a GPS much around here at all, unless I'm out visiting, and I'm not sure where exactly the house is at. I might use it for that, but in a, as a, a norm, I don't use a GPS. I mean, if I'm traveling to Muskegon, I don't want to hear... Uh, the, the Siri or whatever voice assistant that you use say again and again and again, turn here, turn there. I know where I'm going. I don't need to have every single thing said. I certainly, if I want to make a little detour, I don't want it to tell me to do a U-turn, do a U-turn, do a U-turn. You all know what I'm talking about. When I drive down to Grand Rapids, I don't need it either. I, 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 While well, driving there, when I get to Grand Rapids, sometimes I'll use it for that. But there are places where I'm really thankful to have a GPS, I mean, amen. I mean, if I'm driving to Florida, I, I'm glad to have a GPS. That, that's a good GPS. You know, it tells me where to go and where not to go. I'm thankful for that. You know, there's, when I go to Chicago, I'm really thankful for a, a GPS. You all know what I'm talking about. You get down in Chicago, you've got all these turns, and you got this going this way, and you got that going this, that way. And, and, and sometimes there's an accident, and your GPS... You ever had your GPS come up and say, we suggest a detour, and you've got to click yes to accept it, and then it goes around that? If you've got a good GPS, it does that. But, I mean, you, you, you hit yes, and then you detour around that, and you get to where you're going. I can tell you this, man. I really was thankful when I went out to Los Angeles that I had a GPS. Man, years ago, it was actually, it was, it actually was um, I'm trying to remember what year it was. I think it was 2010. Yeah, it was 2010. Me and my wife went out to, we went out to California. We wanted to do interviews to hire a new youth pastor And um, we got out there, and there was two different colleges I wanted to go to, and we flew into LAX. We got to LAX, we got our rental car, and we flew in in the middle of the day. That's your first mistake. Didn't know it then. (laughs) We had to go to San Jose, and had to get there in the middle of the day. And I'm not joking, this was in the afternoon. And we got our GPS out, and the GPS was telling us where to go, and it was trying to go as best it could, and as fast as it could. and I'll tell you, I didn't have a clue where we were going. San Jose is way north of there. We are going to Golden State Baptist College to do interviews there, and then we are going to go, be, the next day after that, we were going to go down uh, to Lancaster to West Coast Baptist College. And so we went up there. But on our way, man, I was so thankful for that GPS. Now, unfortunately, the GPS didn't save us a whole lot. We didn't get to our hotel room that night. We flew in in the afternoon. We didn't get to our hotel room in t- San Jose till about 4 o'clock of the next morning. My first interview was 9 o'clock in the morning. It was a very short night, man, I'll tell you what. But I can't imagine not having a GPS. I say all of that to say this. In our life we live today, can you imagine not having a GPS? Some of you are like, I don't like those GPSs. Some of you can get it mixed up and you call it your GPA. I don't like your mighty GPA. My wife knows what I'm talking about. It was a joke from the past. But, you know, Some people don't like that, like to pull out the old you know, maps and stuff like that. Does anybody still use a map? we got some hands being raised. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. And that's all right to have a map. I really like the GPS. I like to say to them, hey, Siri, navigate to so-and-so. And And then I throw that away, and I get Google Maps out and use the real one. But, um, (laughs) oh, my goodness. And and so, you know, having a GPS to be able to tell you, turn here, turn there, turn here. I don't have to think about it. I, I remember back in the days when you had to get a map out, and you had to map everything out. And there's some fun to that. I actually like navigating. There's some fun to that. That's not the point here. The point is, to get to point A, to point B, to point C, to point D, you had to actually really pay attention. Oh, Siri heard me and is saying it's great (laughs) using Google Maps. Siri is so, anyways, never mind. She wants to know my location. Don't allow, don't let her know where I'm at. I better turn this thing, do not disturb on. It's on. I'll tell you, we live in a very invasive world today. People just (laughs) interrupting you everywhere, so rude. But the truth is, can you imagine having to, you know, everything and having, when, you, when you're driving and you have directions that are all written out, you got to pay attention, you got to look at every street. Now, if you have a watch that connects to your phone, it starts to vibrate and beep and tell you you're coming to your turn, and you've got uh, up on your, your phone that's there, they got this nice mount that goes up there, and you can see how far away it is and which lane you should get into, and... Uh, if it's a good GPS, it tells you way in advance when to get over and what to do. Some of you are looking at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. I understand. But it, th- nowadays, I take for granted it's so nice to have, it is so nice to be liberated from that map and being able to just follow a GPS that knows what it's doing. And it's, it's easy, and, and it's so fun, and, you know, and I, I love that. You know, when you think about the, the world we live in and the cities that you might drive in and, and the confusion that comes in driving in a big city, and it makes me think of the life that we live. We live in a very confusing city of life. I'm talking about our life that we live in. I'm not talking about Luddington, by the way. I'm talking about just in life in general. We have to make decisions all the time. It's like we're on this, this uh, tr- uh, journey of life, and there are decisions that we have to make, and there's things that are coming up, and there's places that we're headed to, And every along the way, there's all kinds of decisions that we have to make, and there's a lot of confusion as to what we should or shouldn't do, where we should go, where we shouldn't go, what direction we should be headed in. And it makes me think about the fact that we need a good GPS in our life. I'm talking about a divine GPS. I'm talking about God's GPS. God does direct us. God wants to direct us. God wants us to know Uh, the direction that we're heading in life and there's a lot of decisions that we have to make you think about the confusing decisions about I mean like for instance what job should I take Uh, if you're very old at all you've already had to make this decision if you haven't made the decision yet you're going to make a decision one day and you're going to have to say where should I work do do you all agree with me today that we ought to follow God's will for our life even when it comes to what job we work would you all agree with me on that right and so when we get to that place and we're saying, should I take this job or shouldn't I? There's, com- there's times when it's like confusing and we're, we're asking the question. And I'm not talking about the wrong kind of confusion. I'm just talking about just making sure. I, and we want to know, is this the right thing I should do? I, after a couple of interviews, I'm going to spend years of my life now at this place? Is this really what I should do? How about this one? How about the person I'm going to marry? Hmm. I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life with them? Am I really sure this is what I should be doing? My wife's exact thoughts the day we got married. I'm not joking. It was a good choice, by the way. I'm so thankful you made that choice. For me, it was a good choice. I don't know about for you, but for me, it was a grand choice. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. It's funny because afterwards, years later, she told me, she says, I was thinking to myself, I hardly know this guy. And I'm going to go up and say I do for the rest of my life? I'm glad she didn't tell me that that day. (laughs) That would have been a little different then. Now I look at it, I kind of laugh. And I honestly, I had such peace about it. I wasn't thinking that way on, on that day myself. Now, that doesn't mean that mine was better than hers as far as love goes. It's just maybe a, she was a lot further thinking ahead than I was. But, you know, we have these big decisions. And, and by the way, how many of y'all think it should be according to God's will of who we should marry? Amen. Amen. God has a person for you if he intends for you to get married. If you're a lady, he has a man for you. If he wants you to marry, it'll be a man. Can I hear an amen to that, right? If you're a man, if it's God's will that you get married, he will have a lady for you. Not hard to figure out. He created Adam and Eve, right? Not hard to figure out. God has one, if it's God's will. But it ought to be according to God's will. Ought to be according to his perfect timing. God bringing you together. By the way, you can't beat God bringing you together and giving you the perfect wife. Amen. When I say perfect, I'm not talking about without sin because there's no such thing as a perfect person. But being the one that God intended for you to marry. being And, and making that choice. But you know what? There's confusion that comes into that. I, I've got five daughters and the, seeing them go through some of the choices and the challenges. and You, you all that are younger, you're, you're, maybe you're facing some of those things even right now. And so we have challenges and of, of where, where we're supposed to live, even. I mean, I'm living in Scottville, Michigan. It, it was a big move from Ludington, Michigan. And, you know, but praying about that, I, I, seriously, I joke about that a little bit, but God moved us. God moved us at the exact right time. God gave us the exact right place, and He did it all in His perfect timing. And I look back at it now, and we, we saw how God answered prayer, but there's confusion that comes in. Is this the right property? Is this the right place? Is this how we should do it? Is this when? Looking at it now, I say, God is so good. Moving in right before inflation starts going up, the price of property goes crazy, and the cost of everything goes up, and the exact timing of all of it. And so God being involved, and I'm just using that as an illustration, but how many of y'all think that you should be where God wants you to be, where you live? You ought to be God by God's direction. Amen. We all should be. And so, but praying, and so we need direction. It'd be nice if we had access to divine directions and we're able to get a hold of God's divine GPS. Wouldn't it be nice if you could buy that model? They don't sell it on eBay. Yeah, neither Amazon, neither. Not even Prime, we'll give you that. It'd be nice if we had that. You know, the truth is God does give it to us. God does want to direct us in our life. God wants to give us direction in our life. And and I think I found a scripture that leads me to God's GPS, and it's right here in our text today. And Proverbs 16 and verse number 9 is going to be kind of our theme verse over the next couple of weeks as we think about the subject of of God's divine GPS. And I want you to look at that verse if you would. Why don't you all just go ahead and stand up and we'll read one verse and have a word of prayer. Give you a chance to to stand for the reading of God's word. Notice what it says, Proverbs 16 verse 9. A man's heart deviseth his way. But the Lord directeth his steps. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah directeth his steps. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for being our God. I thank you so much, Lord, that you are in control. Thank you for having a personal plan for each of our lives, Lord, a direction, a will, a path for each of us. And I pray, Lord, that we would listen as you speak to our hearts and challenge us. Lord, help us to to grow. Help us to be closer to you. Help us, Lord, to follow your way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Here we see a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And I want you to see the contrast that God shows us in this verse. You and I, we focus on plans. When I make a plan to go somewhere, I always make plans. I I go in detail on it. I'm one of those kind. I don't like just to show up and just do whatever. And many of us in our life, we we focus on plans. Plans involve dates. Plans involve places. They involve times. They involve durations. And we're looking at the big picture. I want to know for absolute fact, if I get on that airplane and I go to that destination, I'm going to have a good time when I get there. When I say good, I'm talking about all proper. I want to make sure there's not going to be any problems. I don't want to have to get there and find out the place I'm supposed to stay in is no longer available. I'm going to make every phone call. I'm going to nail it down. I want to see the big picture. I want to look at an aerial before I go to a place. I like to look at overall. Am Am I the only one that ever does that? You go to a place, you like to look at the GPS, you look at the aerial, you look at the satellite. And I like to look at stuff like that. Now, some of you are like, you're crazy. I would never even care about that but I like the big picture. I want to know what's going on. If, if I, you, you know, you have a general idea of what's where. We want to have a picture of the big picture. And we look to God, we say, show me the big picture, God. I want you to show me the big picture of life. I want to know what's going to happen next year. I want to know what's going to happen 10 years from now. I want to know exactly as a young person who I'm going to marry. I want to know exactly where I'm going to college. By the way, how many of y'all think it should be God's direction as to where you should go to college? Would you say an amen? Right. Ask, ask God for direction but I want to know God I want you to tell me right now I want to know all these things I want to lay it all out there for I want to know where I'm going to live I want to know where I'm going to work I want to know all these things God Huh. but the scripture tells me that God's GPS does not compute plans it computes steps and small distances steps and small distances And I think what happens is that we don't connect to God's GPS a lot of times because we're looking for something bigger than God's GPS is going to give us. See, to plug into God's GPS, we need to be looking at something smaller. We need to be looking at steps. One step at a time. One step at a time. One step at a time. Now, does that mean we don't plan on things down the road? No, that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about trusting God daily. I'm talking about trusting God one step at a time. I'm talking about letting God direct your, your steps. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but when I was over in Israel, there was, over there they had these little clay lamps you could buy, and there are replicas of what, what that was actually talking about. You can strap them right to your shoes. Can you imagine having little oil lamps while you're wearing the clothes they wore on that day, and it's trapped through your shoes? But they did. They had just a little light. That little light was one step, but they didn't have these big 500,000 uh, Luma's lights that they would blast and see all the deer, I mean, and, and see down the field so they could see where they were going. They saw one step at a time. And, and, and so that's the picture of what we're talking about here. And that's how God's GPS system works. We don't. The only thing we know for absolute certain as a child of God is this, that my journey is going to end in heaven. That's the only thing I know for absolute certain, but I cannot guarantee you where I'll be next year. I cannot guarantee you that. I can know each step of the way, and so I want us to really think about it that way. I want us to talk about, this is a simple message. These are simple thoughts, but it's so needful for our life. It's things that we need to stop and really think about and really make sure that we are walking Properly and following properly the steps of God before us and the way that God has before us. And I believe this, and today we want to kind of focus in on this aspect of God's GPS. If, If I'm making use of God's GPS, I want to make sure that I'm walking upward. I'm walking upward. I want us to look at two different scriptures, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament, that speak about this. The first one is in Proverbs. Go ahead and turn there. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 24. Proverbs 15 verse 24 Notice what it says The way of life is above or upward to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath that's the downward the way of life is above. It's upward to the wise. The way, that word, their way, if you look in the, 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 that actual Hebrew word, it can be interpreted as path or way. And both of them will work, all right? You'll understand what I'm talking about more in a minute. But the, the way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. And then in Philippians 3.14, I think many of you probably know this verse by heart. We'll go ahead and put it up on the screen. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The upward calling. The high, that's what it's talking about. Upward. It's talking about focusing on up. Focusing upward on the calling of God in Christ Jesus. So I want to talk about this this morning. The first thing I want you to notice with me is this. If I choose to follow God's GPS and the steps that he is asking me to take are upward steps, then I need to know that he is asking me, number one, to remove things from my life that hinder me from serving Christ. I have to remove things from my life that are hindering me from that way, from that path, from that upward path, from serving Christ. You know, Paul tells us in the Scripture that we're just, uh, we just read here, that we just looked at, that, that he realized that God's GPS was telling him to take steps upward, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us those upward steps are not easy steps either. In fact, he says that they are met with pressure. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's going to be, he had to press through it. He had to work through it. It had to be something, yes, you could say he was pressing on, but hey, listen, if there's not any pressure coming back, then why would you have to press forward? He's talking about the fact that I'm pressing forward that way, but there's pressures that come back on him as a result of pushing forward and wanting to walk for that prize and and for the, the, the high calling that God has put in his life. There's resistance, though, in his life. There's resistance in our life. As we're on this journey, and as we're supposed to be following God, and we're, we're wanting to, to follow God's will and way for our life, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be pushback against you. I, I picture in my mind the weatherman who is trying to walk forward in a hurricane to give us a picture of what he's up against. I picture a guy, I mean, he's just fighting. You ever seen guys on TV like this one? <laughs> oh, my word. Sometimes I've seen guys do this and there's no wind at all and they're just acting like they're, you know, they're you know what, there's no acting involved when it comes to pressing toward the mark. There is a challenge. The world is beating down on you. The world is fighting you. Your old sinful nature is fighting you. The devil is attacking you. You're going to have to press toward the mark if you're going to do it. It's going to be something that requires effort. It's something that is going to be a challenge to you. And so we have to remove things that hinder us. There's going to be stuff that's going to attack us, but you know sometimes we're our worst enemy. We allow those things in our life. We allow those pressures in our life. What Paul is saying here, it makes sense, because if you're going to go upward, you're always going to be met with resistance. But if you are to advance upward, you must get rid of those things. You have to get rid of those things that hinder you. Look back, go go if you would at Philippians chapter 3, look at it if you would. A little earlier in the chapter, listen to what he says. Look at chapter three of Philippians, verse number seven. Philippians three, seven, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He's saying, I had to take those things that seemed at the time to be valuable, things that were all these wonderful things that the world had to offer, I had to count them as loss, get rid of those things, count them as garbage, count them as refuse, count them as something that stinks, get rid of it, and that I may win Christ, that I may follow Christ. I'm pressing toward the mark, he later says. You know, Jesus described the upward steps a little bit differently. In, in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, listen to what he said. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. He's saying that to, to, to gain your life, you've got to lose your life. You've got to get rid of the old man. You've got to get rid of the things of this world you have to live for God. You have to follow after me. He says that he called the people unto them and the disciples. He said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. It's a choice we have to make of denying ourselves, removing the things from my life that hinder me from serving Christ. If I'm going to have that upward walk, I've got to get him out of my life. Do you realize that God might be desiring that someone in this room today move upward in their Christian walk? Is God speaking to your heart? God's not talking to me. Would you let God speak to your heart? Let me put the question a little bit differently. Do you think that God wants you to move upward in your walk? I mean, I think anybody that's a child of God, if they're honest with themselves and honest as the Holy Spirit of God speaks to them, if they have ears to hear, they realize there's things in their life that, you know what? God doesn't have all of it yet. There's some things in their life people are holding on to. And even if they're not, you can say, you know what? There's room in my life to grow closer to the Lord. I don't think we, any one of us are ever... That's why the Apostle Paul didn't say, I've achieved the goal. No, he says, I press toward the mark. It's a continual thing. It's never going to end in this life until we take that last breath or until that trumpet sounds. We're pressing toward the mark. and. If we desire, if we want to grow upward, listen, it might be that you're on a spiritual plateau for some time and God is saying to you today, I want you to grow upward. I want you to get closer to me. But you know what that means? That means that we've got to find out those things or thing in our life that is hindering us from moving forward and get rid of it. What is it in your life? What are the things in your life that are keeping you from moving forward? I need some volunteers today. If I could get some young people that would help me out. I'm going to have you up on stage. And so if you could help me out, just raise your hand if you're willing to help. I'm going to go young people, teenagers and below. Teenagers and below, I'm sorry. Nothing against you. Come on up here, Ryan. Come on up here, buddy. Teenagers and below. I got one volunteer. Amen. Good job, Ryan. I need a few more. Help me out. Who's going to help me out today? Oh, Maya, come on up here, Maya. Thank you, Maya. I appreciate that. Oh, there she is. Thank you, Maya. Come on up here. I'm going to give you the good ones. All right, thank you, Maya. We'll give you a hand in a minute. Come on up here, Maya. All right, who else? Let's see here. Who else will help me out? All right, come on up. What's your name? Nevea. Come on up here, Nevea. All right, good job, Nevea. Thank you for helping me. Let's see here. Callie, come on up. Even Alyssa, come on up here. I said teenagers and below. Callie turned 20 years old this year. I can't even believe it. Alyssa, thank you for coming up. Let's see here. I got one, two, three, four, one two three four five i need two more helpers come on up here ty thank you good job ty amen somebody else got their hand raised what (laughs) jed oh jed you raised your hand i didn't even see it come on up here jed thank you jed oh that's so nice of you Amen. amen praise the lord upward and onward amen all right, thanks, you. I need one more helper. Let's see here. Is it one more? One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, I can't count. Three, four, five. This is it. That's six. All right, so this is what I want to do. I want for, let's see here. Let's have Ryan. Ryan, come on over here. Ryan, you're going to be the model Christian. He looks like the model Christian, doesn't he? I mean, look at this good looking young man dressed so sharp. I mean, just look at that smile on his face. He loves the Lord. There's no doubt about it. I want you to walk down the stairs right there, okay? And I want, I want you just to pretend now that, that the path of life, we're talking about going upward, your goal is to get up on that stage, okay? And then we're going to just have this as a picture of the upward life, of walking with God, walking in God's way, being led by God's divine direction in your life and wanting to not let anything get in the way. You're going to have to press toward that mark for the prize of the high calling. There's no prize today, but you can get one if you get (laughs) to heaven, all right? So we're going to have you stand right, maybe move over a little bit more, and then we're going to talk about, you know, in our life, there are some things that will keep us and press us and keep us from getting to that mark. And the first one I want to talk about is, Alyssa, come on over here. You know, I want to use this as an illustration in many ways. No, I'm just joking. She is going to represent bad relationships. Hold that up. Bad relationships. All right, you stand right there. You're going to keep Mr. Christian over here from getting to the high part over here of pressing toward that mark of being on the upward path. Okay, now you stay there. Don't let her intimidate you. You are going to represent this one. Let's hold that up high. Let everybody see it. Being too busy for God. Too busy for God. Can you ever get so busy that you're so busy and too busy for God? Yep, absolutely. All right, come on over here, Ty. Got your hands in your pockets? Good job acting this out. Hold that up. Slothfulness. Slothfulness. Good job, Ty. I'll pay you later. You did such a good job with that. Jed, come on over here. This is a good one. You're going to represent depending on your own strength. Yeah, he looks pretty strong. Get on over here. All right. And then last but not least, the worst of them all. The one that covers everything else. The one that might represent the devil himself. No, I'm just joking about that. Sin. Oh, come on over here. All right. Now, in our life, we're going to have things that are trying to keep us from the upward walk. And I know this is very simplistic, but you know what? I like simple. How many of y'all like simple? Amen. Amen. I need simple. Just like simple GPS, tell me which way to turn, when to do it. i would be happy as could be. In our life, though, things aren't as simple at times when we're walking because there's going to be things that might not. You know what? Young people, there might be a relationship. It seems like everything is good, everything is right. Man, that person is so good, but they don't draw you closer to God. They don't make you become a stronger Christian they begin to get between you and your parents, the parents that loved you, that are trying to give you the best things in life, and they're trying to follow God, and you follow God, and they, they start to get between you and them. Bad relationships. And it's not just young people that's going to happen to. It can happen to grown adults that get lonely, and they have bad relationships as a result of it. And instead of getting up in that, that upward walk, that, that walk with God and, be, and pressing toward the mark, and, and God wants us to walk on, bad relationships get in the way. So what do we do about those bad relationships? Get rid of them. The, the, the hurtful relationships, and it's not just uh, girlfriend and boyfriend we're talking about here. You know what? There's times when it, you as a Christian can have relationships that hurt your relationship with God. People that you're hanging out with that cause you to not walk as you should and do as you should and tempt you to do things you never would do otherwise. and You don't want to be looked at as uncool. And it's not just teens and kids we're talking about, folks. People that offer you something you know you shouldn't do or take. People that maybe you're around and it causes you to be tempted to do something you used to do. You've got to get rid of those bad relationships. And so right now, what do we need to do, Christian? What do you think? Yeah, so what are you going to do? Get rid of her. Just get rid of her. Say, get out out of my way. That was dogmatic, man. That was powerful. Lisa, I'll work with you later. I know you're hurt. I'm sorry he yelled at you. All right, hold up that next one. Hold it up high so everybody can see it. What's that say? Oh, being too busy for God. You know, Christian, what's going to happen in your life? There's going to be all kinds of allurements of this world. There's going to be all kinds of things that aren't even all bad things being part of this club or that club, going here, going there, being on this team or that team. I mean, hey, I want to be in the baseball team. I'm going to learn about character. And yet, many times, there's nothing wrong with baseball, nothing wrong with going shopping, nothing wrong with going fishing. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen, Brother Harold. Thank you for those perch, man. You did a good job catching those perch. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. But when that gets in the way of you being in church, when that gets in the way of you being with God, that gets in the way of you having that close, intimate relationship with God, it gets between you and it's pressing back at you. That, that's pressing back and is always busy. And you know what? It's not just the pleasures of this world. A lot of times it's money, the pursuit of it, it's jobs. It's, it's letting that get between you and God and it becomes dominant in your life. And so what are you going to do, Mr. Christian? Well, that was, that was better. We're working on it you got to get a lot louder with this next one because he doesn't hear very well. He's slothful, and, and Ty's not. I'm not picking on Ty. None of these people up here, I'm just joking around, okay? You all get the picture. Sorry, Sorry Ty. I didn't mean to do it. What are we talking about, slothfulness? Oh, I'm so tired. I'm not going to church today. I'm so tired. You know what? I'm not going to read my Bible today. That's your prayer life. (laughs) You all know what I'm talking about, right? Slothful. There's work to be done. Don't plan on you being there. There's things that God wants you to do in service, but all you're doing is warming a chair, Some people use excuses. There's a lion in the street. (laughs) Proverbs has something to say about that, doesn't it? You can always find an excuse as to why not to do something. I'm going to turn over in my bed and go back to sleep. Slothfulness. That'll kill you. I'll tell you what, you'll be sad at the end of your life, full of regrets that you never did anything significant for God. You'll be sorry. So, what are you going to do, Mr. Christian? Get out of my way. Yeah, he's getting better. I like this guy. Amen. You know what you're seeing here? A growing Christian. Amen. Amen. Mm, This is a big one. Dependent on your own. Show us some muscles, man. That was was so bad. I'll give you one more chance, and we'll, we'll judge you by that. No muscles? Come on, man. Show me some muscles. Oh. You've got to watch those quiet ones. <laughs> there's a lot of strength there, but we just don't see it. But it's there. You know what? The truth is, there's a lot of times that we think we can handle it. I got it, God. Don't need your help. I'm good. I hate that phrase. I'm good. I know it's a phrase, and I understand it now. Man, when I first started hearing it, I'm like, what? There's none righteous, no, not one. I had to grow up as a dad, too. <laughs> But you know the truth is, there's a lot of Christians that think that exact phrase when it comes to God. I'm good. Don't need you today, God. I'm, hey, everything's fine. I got a job. Man, I got a wife, got kids, got a church I'm going to sometime. God, I'm good. Don't need you today. Until that trial comes. The problem is, when that trial comes, oftentimes Christians don't handle it the right way because they're, they're relying on their own strength even still. Last place they're ever going to look us up. God, I'm good, I'm fine. Hey, I, I'll marry who I want to marry. I don't need your help on this one. <laughs> My parents tried to help me. I certainly don't want your help. Hmm. Job? God, I'm fine. I, you know what? I am so talented. By the way, where do you get your talent from, your, your abilities from? And if you're marrying a, you know, somebody your beautiful looks from, I'm just saying... from God. We can't rely on our own strength. You've got to get that out of the way. That's something that's going to get between you and being what God wants you to be. You need to be completely dependent, 100% upon God. And so what are you going to say, Mr. Christian? Get out of my way. I'm trusting God. Amen. Thank you. And then there's this one. <laughs> sin. Of course, these other ones could be sin as well, but You know what? Being on the baseball team isn't necessarily sin. It's when that takes the place of where you should be, if it does. And I'm using that as an illustration. Going shopping isn't necessarily a sin unless you're going shopping and and, and not spending money the way you should or not being where you should and neglecting your home, neglecting your family. And you you could fill in the blank for any of those things, but there's sin that goes around for a lot of different things. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he things that we allow for us, that sin that so easily besets us. And that you know what? That's a universal thing. Everybody's got one. There's something in your life that besets you. It's a, and it, it's something that the devil knows how to use. You know the devil's not omnipresent? Who's omnipresent? God is. The devil's not. But you know who's with you every time you sin? Your old sinful nature. That's why we've got to die to ourselves. We have to die to ourself. We have to be crucified with Christ daily. It's an ongoing process. We have to do it again and again and again and again. And this thing and sin in our life, we have to get rid of it every day if we're going to press toward the mark. We have to get rid of it every day if we're going to walk on that upward walk and we're going to be on that narrow walk, that path. If we're going to do what God wants us to do, we've got to get sin out of our life. So what are you going to say, Mr. Christian? Get out of my way. Amen. Come on up here, buddy. They're out of your way. Where are you going? Where are you headed? Give my a hand. Amen. Good job, buddy. All right, you may be seated. You know, for you in your life, it might be a relationship. It might be with somebody who's not a Christian. It might be things that you own that are keeping you so busy, and the things begin to own you. It might be the th- there's, there's things in your life that have got between you and God. It might be an addiction something you're addicted to. It could be the wrong kind of music. It could be the wrong kind of things you're putting in your mouth. Things that you're addicted to, things that you're listening to. There might be an addiction that's got a hold of you. And if you'll ask God, if you'll ask the Holy Spirit, He'll tell you what's hindering your walk. If you'll be honest with him and you say, God, I want to know what's between me and you. God, I want to be on that upward walk. God, I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. God, I want to be one step at a time. I want to walk your way. I want to be led by you. God, would you show me today, is there anything between me and you? Are you willing? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Are you willing to let go of whatever it is? Now, I'll give you a warning. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says that there are things that beset us. They entangle us. When something entangles us, it's hard to break free from. It's hard to press forward through. It's like if we had Mr. Christian over here having all of them around and holding on to entangled with those things is what the Bible gives us a picture of. And so I want to move to point number two, and it's this. If I choose to follow God's GPS and the steps that he is asking me to take, if they're upward steps, if I'm going to do that, don't be surprised that some people you love are going to fall behind. If you'll make this decision, if you'll let God speak to your heart today, if you'll ask God to help you grow closer to him, if you'll perhaps make a decision to get some of these things out of your life, don't be surprised if some people you love are going to fall behind. You know, the Old Testament scripture we read earlier, it says the way of life is above to the wise. The way of life is above or upward to the wise. In other words, it leads upwards. Notice it didn't say that the super highway to God or the interstate or the two-lane road or that one-lane country road is where someone's coming the other way. You have to pull over to the side. Instead, it says the way. And like I said earlier, you look at that word, you can also say the word path. Path the way, the path, it's a small way, it's a narrow way, it's a narrow way, the broad way leads to destruction. We're talking about the narrow way. One thing we know for sure, it's not a super highway, it's not an interstate, it's not a two-lane road. If I could bring a lot of people along with me, I would. We can't all fit in the car and get inside that. No, it's an individual choice. It's a choice that I have to make. Now, that doesn't mean that kids aren't following us. That's not the point. The point is, you're going to make some decisions, and not everybody is going to be on the same path as you. You're going to make a decision to follow God and to love God. Not everybody's going to have that same love and decision in their life. It might be somebody that you're best friends with, but you're going to make a decision to get all those things out of your life that say, what are you talking about? I mean, listen, we used to go do this and we used to go do that, and now you don't want to do any of that. What's wrong with you? They're not going to understand. There are going to be people that, that that you even love that might even be family members that won't understand the decision that you're making. I mean, why are you becoming so spiritual on us, they might say? You've changed. I don't like the new you. <laughs> you know what your answer should be to them? Your answer should be like this. Well, you may not like the new me, but I like the new me, and I love being closer to Jesus. That ought to be the response. You don't like the new me? Well, I like it because I'm closer to Jesus. That ought to be what drives us. That ought to be that desire. And so understand this. Some people you love will fall behind. And then thirdly and lastly, if you choose to follow God's GPS and the steps that, is, that He's asking you to make, those upward steps. Let me give you two key things to know if you're taking those upward steps. Two things, just very quickly. Number one, consider how you pray. You want to know whether you're taking those upward steps? Look at how you pray. Do you pray to try to bend the will of God? Do you try to tell God what you want in your life? Do you want to know if you are taking upward steps? Listen to what you're praying. Are you always praying about me, 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 I need this, I want that, then probably you're not taking those upward steps. Or are your prayers about wanting to be closer to Jesus? Are your prayers about those who are lost? Are you praying for those lost in our community, those that are lost, even perhaps that even you know, in your life? Is this your prayer, God? What do I need to do to make my church better? Do you pray that way? Do you pray, God, I, I'm going to the Lighthouse Baptist Church. I'm part of that church. What, God, what can I do in my life that will make the church better, that will be more effective in seeing more people come to know Christ, to be more effective in seeing more people ha- have their life uh, brought back and, and healed and, and built up, and young people being strengthened and souls being saved and, and families being built. And, and God, how can you use me? Young person, God, how can I be part of my youth group and see it? See it used for your glory? God, how can my family be closer to you? When was the last time your prayer included a phrase like this? God, not my will, but your will. Lord, whatever you say, Lord, I'm willing to do it. Lord, I want to submit my will to your will. Lord, I want to be obedient to you. Two keys. Two keys know whether you're on the upward steps is number one, consider your prayer. Number two, consider how you respond to spiritual correction from God. How do you respond when God corrects you? How do you respond when the Spirit of God is pricking your heart, when the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you? How do you respond when the preaching of God's Word speaks to your heart? How do you respond when the reading of God's Word speaks to your heart? How do you respond, young man? When mom or dad corrects you? Young lady, how do you respond? In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8, it says this Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. How do you respond to correction? I can tell you this if you're over here and you're Mr. Christian, you got all these things in between you and the upward walk, and you have a loving pastor or a loving uh, teacher in your life, or loving mom or dad, or loving brother or sister in the Lord that's saying, Hey man, these things are getting in the way. These things are hurting you. God God doesn't want for those things to get between you and him, and and you, you react, say, get out of my way, I don't want to hear you. You get angry because God is convicting you. You say, I'm not gonna listen. Or you never have any time in your life when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart. And you're cold and indifferent. Total apathy. You could sit through one message after the other and never feel anything. You could open up the Word of God and you'll try reading until you fall asleep and nothing ever speaks to your heart. You never hear anything. You know what that means, don't you? You're superhuman and absolute perfect. No. What that means is you have quenched and grieved the Holy Spirit of God. You have gotten so hard and indifferent and cold that God's not even speaking to you like he once did. When was the last time you came to an old-fashioned altar? There used to be a day in this church when this altar was full. Used to be. It's hard. 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 Why isn't God moving anymore? Why isn't God speaking to hearts? Is it the preacher? Is it the Word of God? What is it? Is it the room? When we were over there, we had people at the altar every service. What's changed? Am I being wrong when I say this? When's the last time God spoke to your heart? Are we all perfect? Now, obviously, what I'm saying today is not so I get somebody at the altar this morning. What I'm saying today is because I don't understand. I don't understand how we can sit through a message and the word of God is preached and the Holy Spirit of God is spoken to my heart and I share my heart and yet people stay the same. And there's times in my life that I look back and I say, oh, I'm cold and indifferent. God, speak to my, don't ever stop talking to me, God. And I will tell you this, I'm not one standing up here perfect, there's no doubt. I need to pray more. I need to pray for you more. But I don't understand. I don't understand how the the days in the past, that more people, and I'm not just talking about Lighthouse Baptist Church, I'm talking about as a people, God's people, What's changed? It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same Word of God. The message is the same. What's changed? Now some today will get angry about what I'm saying. Is it truth? Or isn't it? Is it truth or isn't it? How are we going to respond? path upward is narrow. Not everybody's going to see it. Not everybody's going to follow it. We're going to need instruction to stay on the narrow. There's going to have to be reproof. There's going to have to be challenges. There's going to have to be times when the preaching does speak to our hearts, and if not, something's wrong. Either the preaching is wrong, or our hearts are cold and indifferent and wrong. There's something wrong. When was the last time that you got on your face and wept before God? I got it, God. I'm good. I don't need instruction. If that's the case, you're moving in the wrong direction. And it's really that simple. What direction are you headed? What's in your life? Would you ask God to show it to you? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, that we'd listen. Lord, mold our hearts, move our hearts. I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to us, forgive us. I pray, Lord, that you would listen to our prayers today. I pray that our desire would be led by your Holy Spirit our life would be led by your Holy Spirit that our purpose in living would be for you for your honor, for your glory Lord I pray that we would be wise we would love you with our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning let me ask you, do you know Christ as your Savior you've been born again, you say yes I know I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven have no doubt I know if I died today that I'd go to heaven based on the promise from God's word. I've been born again. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high and say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. God bless me. Put your hands down. Praise the Lord. Perhaps you're here this morning and say, preacher, I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't have that peace. I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Listen, God loves you. God wants you to know you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, though, I'll be honest, I don't know. Could I pray for you? I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out, but I will pray for you. Would you slip your hand up right now? Say, I don't know for sure. I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Would you lift your hand up? Could I pray for you today? Christian, has God spoken to your heart? Are there things in your life that's come between you and pressing toward that mark and you've got entangled? priorities, decisions, choices? Christian, would you make a commitment today? Would you say, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do? Will you come to the altar today and tell God, I want to go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be the person you want me to be. Would you say to God, thy will be done, not my will. Lead me upward, Lord. Lord. God spoken to your heart. Lord, I pray that you'd move our hearts, and we hear your Holy Spirit. Will you follow what God's saying to your heart right now? Would you come and just pray and say, Lord? I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I invite you. Respond to the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart. Lord, I need you. Would you come and ask him for his help? Would you come make a commitment to him? Eyes are bowed, eyes are closed, Christians praying where he leads me I will follow will you ask him to lead you today will you submit yourself to him